Good morning, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys beat me to it. You know, we oftentimes have a little say hey here at Calvary where we walk around the auditorium giving some handshakes, hugs, high five something. So do it a little bit different. If you're in the grass today, let me get a cheer. Not bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If you're in your car today, if you're watching from your car, how about a little light flash, a little honk something? Come on. Yes. Good job. And if you're watching me online, give me your best silly face right now, you goofball. Come on. I want to see it. We have no idea what you're doing, so you can do whatever you want. Regardless of where you're watching, whether you're here in the grass, in your cars, or watching online, we are so glad to be here for our, for, well, second, technically, 9 o'clock service beat, to, beat you to it, but the first Sunday of an actual in-person worship gathering. But as a brother told me, as he was walking in, we were always together, right? Because the church isn't a place. We were always together, uh, but we're, we're glad to be able to get, be together physically today in this, uh, in this exciting venue. God has blessed us with a wonderful day. Uh, just a couple of quick reminders for you before we get started. Uh, remember that as things begin to open up, as we begin to resume more, you know, more and more in-person activities or things change, the best way for you to stay in touch with us is text CBCJOY to 84576. We will text you with the latest updates when there's something that you need to know. So make sure you do that. Uh, again, we're continuing with our method of, of allowing you to invest in the ministry of Calvary through online giving uh, rather than passing any plates or anything like that. So for those of you who have been doing that for the last three months, thank you so much for your continued investment. Reminder that you can simply log on cbcjoy.org give uh, and that'll give you the, the opportunity to invest in that manner. If you have any questions about that, contact our executive pastor, Dan Arbeiter, dan at cbcjoy.org. You can even call us at 734-455-0022, and we'll help you get that set up. For those of you who are uh, in your car today or here in the grass, as you can do, see, we do have a couple of Promethean screens. They're not, maybe, if, if it's difficult for you to see, remember uh, the lyrics for the songs that we'll be singing today are available at cbcjoy.org slash lyrics. We tried to provide you with that input uh, info earlier this week, so you can bring them up on your mobile device. Uh, but if you can see on the screens, uh, that would be great as well. So our service today is going to be uh, uh, flow a little bit differently than what is typical. And uh, here's what's going to happen. We're going to kind of have four sections. And within those uh, four sections that are kind of going to be focused on uh, individual themes, uh, I'm going to be sharing with uh, some scripture and some teaching on that particular theme. And then I'm going to invite a person from our, from our family, from our body, to come up and, and pray on that, on, the, on that particular theme. And after they've done that and led us in that time of prayer, uh, then Emma and Ben are going to be leading us in a time of response, a time of, of worship, a song uh, that you can uh, sing along in your heart, that you can sing, uh, sing the words that are on the screen. Uh, you can engage in response in however God may be leading you in that. And so we're excited to be able to get this started. And so as we do so, uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads together. I'm going to open us with a word of prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. What a great, what a beautiful day you've blessed us with here, uh, right here in, uh, in southeast Michigan on this mid-June, and it's just what, what a wonderful blessing you've given us, God. And uh, we ask, Lord, that as we gather today, that uh, we would be reminded that, that we are, the church is not a place, but it is a, it is a people. And as we gather uh, with you, God, uh, we just ask that 
you would be present, that you would be our teacher, that we would learn from you, Lord, and that you would help us, Lord, to see your truth and to see your way forward for our lives in all times, but especially in times like this. Thanks, God, uh, for the incredible investment that so many people have made, uh, volunteers and staff persons this week and in the, in the last several weeks, but especially those who have invested so much time and creativity and effort into making today happen. We ask that you would bless them for that. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's safe to say that as we think about the experience over the last several months, last several weeks, that some words might come to mind. Some things like complaint, anguish, grief, frustration, discontentment, loss, disappointment, anger, pain, fear and anxiety, distress, heartache, even misery. Things are, things are not right, so to speak. They're, uh, it's not, things are just unwell. There's this general sense of things not being as they should. There's this loss that we're experiencing. And I think sometimes for those of us who are Jesus followers, we almost feel like we got to push that down, deny it, act as if it's wrong that we're experiencing those kinds of feelings. Sometimes even people even tell us that that's wrong, that we're experiencing feelings like that. And when we hear that, it, it's interesting to me that there is a whole section of Scripture devoted to people who are expressing sentiments just like that. For instance, if I asked you to give me a word that you associate with the book of the Psalms, 150 Psalms, many of you would, of course, give me the word praise, worship. And that wouldn't be wrong because the Psalms are full of that. But did you know that there are uh, nearly one-third of the Psalms could be a little bit more, a little bit less than one third of those 150 Psalms are devoted to something known as lament. Lament. A lament is technically defined as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And it's interesting that those words of lament are not oftentimes, oftentimes things that we hear. We're, we're not, we don't oftentimes express them ourselves. We don't hear them expressed in the context of our small groups, of our classes, of our Bible studies, or of our collective worship gatherings. And we want to go a little bit different direction today. We want to lean into some of those feelings that we have been experiencing. Because the interesting part is not only do those writers communicate those kinds of feelings, but they often even go as far as to say, which is sometimes we might even think is blasphemous. They seem to imply that, God, you're, you're distant from me. God, I'm not sure that you care about my situation. And so in this, as we, as, we, as we lament this morning, the loss of a lot of things, right? When we look at our current reality, we see division, hatred, and violence. In another American city, right, last night, this weekend, Atlanta is on fire. As we experience another incident and the division and the violence and the hatred and the unsettledness, it should cause us to lament the sickness, the death, the loss of normalcy, the loss of jobs, loss of income for some of you, the loss of your health, the loss for some of you have lost loved ones recently. We've seen the loss of many lives. 
We've lost the ability to relationally interact the way we normally have done. So there's so many ways in which we have had this loss. And again, it's okay for us to express those things. The writers of these lament psalms say things like this, like in Psalm, chapter, Psalm, uh, Psalm 5, verses 1 and 2. The writer of that psalm says, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Pay attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for I pray to you. And the writer of Psalm 10 expresses that, that feeling of God not being distant or actually maybe God, are, do you even care? When he, when he says this, why, O Lord, in verse 1 of Psalm 10, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In fact, Jesus himself, when he was on earth in his ministry life, he lamented. He lamented over the fact that his own people rejected him. He said, Jerusalem, man, I wish I could gather you the way a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you won't allow me. He lamented over them. He was soul sick over them when he saw them and that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. He was, he was sickened by seeing the fact that they were rejecting him. And of course, maybe those two psalms that I just quoted were, were psalms of corporate lament that were used oftentimes in Israel's worship experience to express empathy for, for people who were suffering as a result of a great loss. But there's also individual laments. And maybe the most famous individual lament is the one that Jesus quoted from the cross. Psalm 22, when Jesus himself lamented to his father, when he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? The psalmist goes on to say, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. In fact, we have an entire book, not just the book of the Psalms that has many of them. We have an entire book of the Bible called, some of you know, Lamentations. <laughs> the word's right in there, right? And so maybe the most famous lamenter of all times is a prophet whose name was Jeremiah. And if you want to have a downer, <laughs> read the first three chapters of Lamentations. And you see how much pain and agony this guy is in. I share with you just a couple of verses from chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20. Jeremiah says, just thinking of my troubles and my lonely wandering makes me miserable. That's all I ever think about, and I am depressed. The book of Lamentations is marked, scholars tell us, by its stark imagery that, that Jeremiah uses. Some of it actually is quite offensive as well as the poetic artistry that he uses to express these thoughts and feelings of lament. The one thing I'd like to, and it's not me giving you permission, but sometimes it just needs to be said that way, but God invites us. God gives us the permission to lament, to cry out in angst, frustration, disappointment, anxiety, fear, and on and so on. He invites us to do that. He doesn't want us to stay in that point and that place, and he certainly doesn't want us to just deny it and stuff it down. So as part of our gathering today, we want to lament over where we find ourselves. We, and as I said, we've invited four different individuals to pray in these particular themes. And the person who's going to lead us in that prayer of lament today is Megan Trulock. Many of you know Megan. She's a part of our Calvary community. Uh, she's a student at Wayne State. Some of you know that Megan uh, led a, 
let a uh, peaceful walk, uh, protest walk, really, of Christians, that, a prayer walk, uh, not too long ago, on a weekend or two ago, there in the city of Detroit. And Megan's going to come, and she's going to lead us in a time of lamenting before our Lord. Megan. All right, would you pray with me? Lord, we are in a world that is broken and full of sin. And because of that, Lord, it gets hard. It's hard, and it's hard to talk about it, about that it's hard. We don't know who to turn to. We don't know if we can come to you with it, Lord. But we're in pain, and we're struggling. We've experienced so much loss, Lord, throughout our lives, but especially in these past few months, Lord. Loss of community, loss of fellowship, loss of loved ones. And we're hurting. And we cry out to you, Lord, in this time because we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. With the brokenness in this world, with, with everything going on, with the virus and with the racism that's so rampant throughout our country, it hurts and our hearts are breaking for those in our family, in our church, in our community, in neighborhoods, and in our world, Lord, there are so many people that are hurting. And we don't know what to do because this life is hard and we struggle and we're depressed and we're anxious and we're nervous. We don't know what else is gonna happen this year, what else could happen. And we worry all the time. We're stressed with everything that's coming at us. We feel overwhelmed by the weight of this world with not knowing what to do, not knowing how to fix the brokenness that's in us and in those that we love. But Lord, we know that even in all of this, you are still good. We know that you want to hear our cry. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to turn to you. Help us yes. to know that we can come to you, that you want to hear our cry. You want to hear about our pain and our suffering. Mm. You promised that we would suffer. And so when we do, Lord, may we turn to you when we know that you hear our cries, that you want to talk with us that you grieve with us, that you are hurting too, that your heart breaks when you look at our world and the brokenness in it. Your heart breaks too. So may we turn to you in that and remember that even when we cry out, even in all the pain and the suffering, when we allow ourselves to feel those things because it is okay, may we allow ourselves to feel that, but may we always come back to you the truth, mm. that you are still good, that you are still faithful, and that in the end, Lord, you are victorious. And because you are victorious, Lord, we are too. And so may in our crying, in our hurt, in our pain, in our brokenness, may we remember that. May we allow ourselves to feel those things. May we allow ourselves to, to express that to others around us and to you. But may we always come back to you. May we always come back, Lord, that you are good and you are faithful. And you are moving and you are working, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't seem like you care that you're not here, you are here and you are working. You are God with us and you are in this mess with us, Lord, and I thank you for that. And so I pray that as we cry out to you, Lord, that you would allow us to feel the brokenness, that you would allow us to hurt, allow us to come to you, Lord, and lay it at your feet, knowing that you take it all, that you carry these burdens with us, Lord. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that you are still good and that you are still faithful and that you want to hear our prayers. So I just pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Emma. Thanks, Ben. In the form of uh, those lament psalms, one of the things that the writer does after they've expressed their, uh, they've uh, addressed God and expressed their lament is they, they make a confession. We want to do that same thing today. I talked to you last week in the talk about, uh, uh, about racism that one of the things that we need to do is we need to experience godly grief. Because godly grief, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 7, produces repentance. We don't want to experience grief, the worldly kind of grief, where we are kind of uh, get, we're grieving over the fact that we got caught. That's the kind of grief you feel when you see those lights in your rearview mirror and you realize that you were going more than five over the speed limit. It's like, ah, daggone it, I'm caught. But that type of grief oftentimes, unless he hits our pocketbook real hard, doesn't often produce uh, real life change. But the kind of grief that produces life change, produces repentance, is godly grief. And that grief does lead to repentance. And it was, it was characteristic of the, of, the, of the ministry of Jesus. When he first started on the scene in, in Mark chapter 1, he said that the time was fulfilled, that the kingdom of God had come near in him. And as the kingdom of God had come near, he said to his followers, he said to the people who were listening to him to repent and believe the good news. The heart of repent, as I've taught you on multiple occasions and as some of you know, is, is to turn from, to make, a, to make a change of your mind and a change of your life. To turn from that which you think, to turn from your way to, and to embrace the alternative. To embrace God's will and his way for your life. To embody that same sort of humility that Jesus embodied in the garden when he prayed, not his will, but would his father's be done. That's the heart of repentance. Jesus was turning from self, in a sense, and embracing the will of his father. And so when we recognize that there are things that are going on in, in our world, in our, maybe even our church and in our own life, when we recognize things that are outside of the will of God, then what, what we don't do is we don't try to justify it. We don't rationalize it. We don't try to dismiss it or defend it. We don't deny that it's going on or we don't persist in it. We don't ignore it. But when, when God makes us aware of those things in our lives that are outside of his will, our confession is to repent, is to own up to it, to, to turn from it and to turn to God's way. And the great thing is that we know as believers that when we do that, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, as we own up to them, as we turn from them, the Bible says he is, he is faithful, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unless we think that the church doesn't have anything to repent from, <laughs> 
that we as Jesus followers never have that time where, we're, where God makes us aware of things that are outside of his will. Remember that as the writer John in the book of the Revelation wrote to seven churches in Revelations chapter, Revelation chapters two and three, to five of those churches, and whether those are literal churches or the age of the particular ages in the church, however that's to be understood, to five of them he said, repent. The last of those seven was the church at Laodicea. And in verse 19 of chapter 3, John uh, records the, the, the heart of God saying to them, those whom I love, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. They're his, we're his. So be earnest and repent. So it's right for us in our confession to have a heart of repentance and to facilitate a culture of repentance continually leaving that which behind, which is not good news, and embracing that good news that God has for our life. And so I've invited another friend of mine, a fellow elder here at Calvary, David Gregory, to come and lead us as a body in this time of repentance. And so I'm going to welcome him on the stage to do just that. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you humbled, heartbroken, realizing my sin, our sin as a church of silence, of inaction, not taking the steps we should to forward your cause of justice, your cause of mercy and love. As a believer, as believers, we should be the greatest humanitarians this world ever sees because of your love, to share your love, to share your salvation with the world. We should be acting to stop injustice. We should be creating a world of equality. Forgive us for not being as active in that as we should for the sin of omission when we don't act or don't speak up or don't rise to the challenge. Forgive us, O Lord. May we turn from that. May you help us to be able to glorify you by sharing your love with others through grace, compassion, mercy, justice. Be with us as we speak. Be with us as we live. Forgive us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
brings us into the family of God. We hear the gospel. We repent from our life. And by the power of the gospel, by the sacrifice of Jesus, we're given new life. Peter in chapter 2 of Acts, in chapter 3 of Acts, two of the first times that he publicly declares the message of Jesus, he invites people to repent and believe the good news. And that's exactly what many of us sitting here and watching online have done, is we've turned from and we've believed the good news. We've received life in Jesus Christ. And as that's happened, he's put us together in this family. Now, as we, as we look at the world, I think all of us would recognize that and maybe admit to at least a, at some degree that we are a nation and a world that's divided, aren't we? We're divided over so many things. This pandemic has caused issue for us to become divided. Things that are happening with social unrest and violence in all of our cities around the, the country have caused us, given us great potential to become divided. And maybe, maybe we should expect that even to some degree, correct? In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10 that he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And, and he says that, there, that a, person, a, a man will be against his father and a daughter will be against her mother. In fact, he, he said that a person's enemies would be from within their own, own household. And that specifically and absolutely can happen, that there can be a division that happens as people embrace a followership of Jesus and others who don't. Some of you might have experienced that personally. And when we look to the world, we certainly shouldn't expect that the world will, would necessarily be living in perfect harmony, no matter what the song says, right? They wouldn't be living in complete unity. But here's the thing I know from Scripture, that we in the body of Christ are one. That's what God says about us. Jesus prayed to that very effect in John chapter 17. After he prayed for his very first followers, for the, his 12 apostles and the, those initial disciples, he went on to say in verse 20 that, uh, that his prayer was not for them alone. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. He goes on to say that, that, that when we live in this unity, in verse 23, that, that the world will know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He's praying that we would demonstrate in the body of Christ such a unity, such a oneness, such a togetherness that the world would look at us and say, look at them, men and women, different age, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic classes. They even root for different sports teams. That's probably one of the most difficult things for us to get over, right? Maize and blue or green and white here in the state of Michigan. <laughs> they look at us, the world looks at us and says, look how they dwell together in unity. How they live together as one. They don't allow the things that separate us to separate them. Paul says, in Galatians 3.28, that in the body of Christ, there's really no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free. There's no male or female, but we are one in Christ Jesus. That's not dismissing the things that are unique about us. We can celebrate those differences. We celebrate the differences that exist between men and women, between people of different ethnicities, between people who have, have had different experiences. 
Even, even differences in our socioeconomics or our educational attainment, all of those things. It's not like we deny those. We just don't allow them to divide us. We don't allow them to separate us because we truly are one in Christ Jesus. Paul said to the Colossian church in chapter 3 that God has chosen us and made us his holy people. He loves you, Paul says. So you should always clothe yourself with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Even more than all this, clothe yourself in love. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. Love holds us all together in perfect unity. That's why Paul lifts up love as that which abides. That's that which is the greatest. Jesus himself said it would be the distinguishing characteristic for us Again, that the world would know that we are his disciples because of the way that we love one another. And isn't that ironic that love is the very thing that binds us together in this perfect unity that Paul's talking about in Colossians 3. We are one, folks. We are one body, one family. Regardless of any other way in which we define ourselves, we are one in Christ Jesus. And that's something we're celebrating. I think as we do, as we live in that harmony and peace and unity with each other. It, begun, it does begin to extend out in our relationships with people outside of the body of Christ. In fact, I, I think that's why Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter 12, and he said, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. If you can, as far as it depends on you, make it your effort. The writer of Hebrews says something very, very similar in chapter 12, verse 14, almost the same exact words. That, that I, the idea of being people who want to live in peace, live in harmony, live in unity, that's rooted in the gospel of Christ, even though acknowledging, like I said, from Jesus himself in Matthew 10, that the gospel will at times divide because there will be those who embrace Jesus and those who reject him, understanding that. But for those of us who have embraced him by the power of the gospel, we live in one. We live as one in unity, excuse me. So again, we want to pray to that end. In that psalm of lament, the form of the psalm of lament, there was, as I said, there was that, the fact that the lamenter would address God, would offer up their lament, they would make this confession, and then they would have a petition. They would basically say, do this, God, please. And we're asking God to do something today and we're asking him to make us one. And so the person I've invited to come and lead us in that prayer is Tamiko Ogburn. Uh, Tamiko has been part of our Calvary family here for, for several years. I've gotten to know her even a little bit better as she attends a group that I lead on Wednesdays. And I've always been impressed by the way in which Tamiko has offered her heart in prayer up to the Lord in such a real and honest way. So she's going to come and lead us in a prayer for unity. Tamiko. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness, your gentleness, your patience. Lord, your generosity and your mindfulness of our needs. 
Father God, you've given us everything we need that pertains to life. You've given us your son for salvation. And with that, you've given us a new birth, regeneration, Lord. Father, in our, our first birth, we we're born in sin nature and divided in so many ways, Lord God, separated. But in your infinite wisdom, you allowed us to be born again in your spirit and a forever family, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God. Father, you've given us your spirit. He convicts us and he reminds us and teaches us and intercedes on our behalf for, for us, Lord. Lord, you've given us your word. It instructs us and guides us, gives us everything that we need in this life. Father, you have made us a light in this world. But Lord, we come to you today, we're, we're seeking unity, Lord. And we know it's in your will because you have called us to be one. So Father God, make us one, Lord. Make us one in your purpose, Lord, in your will. Lord, we know that we are bound by so many things that separate us, Lord. We are bound by our pride and bound by our selfish ambition and Lord, these light afflictions. But Father God, we know that you're able to make us one today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would search our, our hearts today, Lord. Anything that's there that's not like you, that's causing us to be off track, Lord, be off focus, Lord. We ask that you would make us aware of those things just as you did Peter when he denied you. Holy Spirit, we come humbly, prayerfully, seeking your face today, Lord. We ask that you would teach us to turn from these ways that, that are just not pleasing, Father God. Father, we know that you've called us to be a light in this world. We know that you've called us to be one body. We know that you've called us into one goal for you, Lord. So today, unite us in that purpose. Bind us with cords that cannot be broken. Unite us in love today, Father God, so that we can be that light shining for all the world to see in Jesus' name, amen.
writer of those lament psalms, whether they be individual or corporate, would offer their lament up to the Lord. They would offer their confession. They would make their petition. But then there would be come a point in that psalm, nearly every one of them, where there would be this exclamation of certainty that God would act and also a vow to praise him. And I have to admit to you, in just full transparency and honesty, I think you would expect that, that there are times when it's difficult for me to get there. Sometimes it's difficult for me to get there to that exclamation of certainty that I am sure that God will act. And sometimes I just want to stick in that place of lament where I'm like, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what you're doing and I'm not sure you're going to do anything. And that might be where you're at today. But in this place, I want to invite you into, a, into that to step, 
by faith into that reality of that exclamation of certainty, into that, into that place of vow to praise. Because that's the last word we want to get to. So we want to get to that place of praise. And the writer of those psalms, again, right in those psalms of lament, in those places where that psalmist would utter those words of, of discouragement and disappointment, of, of wonder about whether God was going to act in, again you know, on their behalf. They also said these same words, right in, and this is right out of a psalm of, of lament. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. In the Psalm 79, it says this, We are your people, the sheep of your flock. We will thank you always, forever and ever we will praise you. In Psalm 54, again, all of these are psalms of lament. All of these are psalms where the writer expresses this anguish and grief and disappointment and angst. The writer of Psalm 54 says, I will sacrifice you to you freely. I will give thanks to your name, Lord, because it is so good, because God has delivered me from every distress. Psalm 57 says it this way, My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will, make pra- I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing, your pra- sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted over the heavens. Let your glory be over all the whole earth. Getting to that place where we acknowledge God in who he is, in his, in his attributes, in his worth, in his character, is not something done in disconnection from our feeling of angst and sorrow and disappointment and grief and loss and sadness. We don't disconnect from that but we bring that to God and we acknowledge it honestly and we offer him in the same, in the, with the same heart of angst, we offer him our praise. Because ultimately we are kind of like Peter and I feel that way sometimes. When Jesus had a bunch of his followers take off and decide to, decide to desert him, he looked at his, at his uh, most intimate followers, he looked at those closest friends of his and he said to them very honestly, do you want to live to, leave too? kind of my paraphrase. And Peter said, Lord, where else are we going to go? You alone possess the words of eternal life. And that heart of simple dependency is what the vow to praise is all about. I love how that great lamenter Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, where he was recording all of his feelings of, of grief and agony and disappointment and torment, Remember, he said he was miserable in chapter 3, verse 19. Remember how he was consumed? He said, all I think about are my problems. And when he said, when I think about it that way, I get depressed. In the very next sentence, now I don't know how Jeremiah came to, maybe it took him months or years to get to this place. I don't know how the book of Jeremiah was formed in his life and how he ended up expressing it. But at some point, he came to the place where in the very next sentence, he said, Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Exclamation of certainty. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. A vow to praise. So this morning, as we've moved from that place of acknowledging our own grief and sorrow, confessing to God those areas in our life that are outside of the will and, uh, and outside of his will for the life of a, of a Jesus follower, as we've looked to him and asked for him to make us one in the way that Jesus says we are one, the same way that Jesus prayed that we would be one, we now want to take time to simply offer up to him our vow to praise him. And to lead us in that prayer of praise, I've asked Don Baker to do that. Many of you know Don from seeing her on stage as part of our worship team. She has such a heart of praise, and I think you'll uh, really be blessed by what she wants to share with us. Lord Jesus, you alone are worthy of our praise and adoration. And in the words of the psalmist from Psalm 145, we say, We will exalt you, our God, the King. We will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, we will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and we will meditate on your wonderful works. We will tell of the power of your awesome works and we will proclaim your deeds. We will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Oh Lord, you are gracious, you are compassionate, you are slow to anger and rich in love. Lord, you are good to all in your compassion on us astounds us, amazes us, astonishes us. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. We will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generation. The Lord is faithful to all of his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and he lifts up all of those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. With my mouth, with our mouths, we will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. For you, O Lord, you alone are worthy of our praise and our adoration. You are worthy of our love. You are worthy of all that we have. We praise your most holy name. Amen.
wrap up our service today with a song that will be familiar to many of you. I want to invite you, those of you who are here in the grass, as you're watching at your homes, maybe you want to just stand in worship. Maybe you want to bow your heads, be on your knees, lift your hands. However God would maybe be leading you to express your praise and adoration of him as we sing about his incredible faithfulness to us. So I invite you to do that as you're comfortable and as the Lord would lead. God is faithful. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, you, you see our pain and you've heard our cry. You've seen us bow humbly before you in confession and repentance. You've heard our request that you would make us one 
as you call us one in Christ Jesus. And you've heard our decision to trust you and to praise you in the midst of all aspects of our life, with our very life itself. God, would you remind us throughout this week to continue to come back to these places of, of sorrow, to this point of repentance, to help us to be agents and, 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 and ambassadors of, of unity in Christ Jesus. And Lord, though, though it, it may be difficult at times, we pray that you would help us to and bring us to that place where we can, we can offer you authentic and genuine and heartfelt praise and worship and adoration. Thank you for the gift of this incredible and this beautiful day, God. But even if the weather wasn't so cooperative, we would know that you are still king and that we are still yours. How great the love that you have lavished on us, God, that we would be called your sons and daughters. And that is what we are, your children. And as your children, we offer ourselves up to you, the great king, the perfect father, the holy one. Thank you, Lord, for life in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray all of these things and dismiss together. Amen and amen. Everyone watching online, in your cars, on the grass, thank you so much for being here. Pray that it was a blessing, blessing for you. Uh, we hope that you have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care and have a great day.